Hey, this is Gareth Webb, and you are listening to Breakout, a show aimed at cutting through the hiring noise and breaking down best practices. We'll also be tapping into the minds of other industry leaders so you can ensure your business makes the right critical hires the right way. Thanks again for taking some time to get on your podcast. I know we're playing a little <laughs> catch up this week um, with a couple different topics. So today yeah. I wanted to touch on a topic that I know we talk a lot about, especially recently um, internally, um, but also know, you know, anecdotally has been pretty relevant um, among some of our current and then past clients. So correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I've kind of gathered and, and been observing where we operate most efficiently with our clients is when we have a really well thought through quick, but effective hiring process. And I think that we talk about this a lot internally, just the, the aspect of time and how important that is in all different stages of the hiring process. So I initially just wanted to get your reaction to that commentary and then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, the, the clients who, who are most successful in general, uh, not just with us, but like hiring in general, I think. And then obviously with us um, helping them, it's not always about being super, super fast, but it's just about being um, clear from the beginning about like how things look and what is likely going to happen and uh, the removal of variables, the removal of potential delays and then confusion so the perfect scenario is where a client lays out the process and like we had a new client onboarded last week and it was amazingly refreshing like a director three director type positions um uh aptitude type test at the beginning which is not very common mm-hmm. but they like to do it um so a bit of a personality and and or aptitude test uh then a kind of meeting with four other key stakeholders, um, potentially a short exercise, um, no more than like two hours of commitment, and then a final with the CEO. So like they'll make, like we, based on all that information and like the framework we use to um, score a position and, and a client, like they rank super high on all factors and we know if they do all that, if they, if they do what they say they're going to do, they'll make two of those three hires in October. So in the next 30 days, like that, that's, you know, they're, they're a very attractive business problem that they're solving is, is very interesting. Um, but their process is like laid out, defined, clear, timely, or, um, it's not outrageously arduous because they don't have the time either. Cause they're, they're doing a lot of stuff, um, themselves in the business, but, yeah, they, they want to hire with conviction, but they don't want it to go on forever because, you know, nothing can ever be perfect. And I think that's that's the big problem, right, with people overly stretching out processes and having paralysis on assessment and selection of people is that, you know, that maybe just don't feel like they've reached 100% to trigger a yes, which is a real dangerous game um, because you could be stuck in that loop. Um for months, potentially, we see that happening, where companies are six months in and they haven't got anywhere because just haven't defined what 
what where their kind of like calibration point is to say yes to somebody um so there's, there's lots of things but yeah the big thing is just cover the bases um make sure there's good momentum behind the process like it doesn't have to be all done in a week or two but you should have some touch point each week with somebody and then you know deal fatigue is huge and so if someone's done two or three kind of stages and then another one or two things get sprung on them uh towards the end um that's when we see appetite diminish from the candidate and um yeah deal fatigue is like any kind of bell curve right it's like to start off with like people get interested in somebody or they get interested in a company and then there's like like this peak of maximum engagement maximum interest um you know a captive audience uh and then the longer time goes on that yeah interest kind of dwindles that change it's interesting yep yeah yeah like how you you kind of brought up the idea of just clarity in general and making sure that there's a good understanding of what that looks like from from start to finish um you mentioned this a little bit and this kind of is a good segue to my next question but you talked a little bit about you know factors that kind of rank high for us in terms of you know our internal scorecard for both the clients but also the positions and making sure that we've got quality positions that working with and able to you know pitch to um candidates on behalf of our clients in looking at your previous experience that could be you know um, prior to OutScout or within current clients, past clients, mm-hmm. where do you feel like, are, are there common areas where there's a, a gap in certain aspects of the process? Yeah. So a lot of the time people just start, right, and there's all this enthusiasm and they, they need to hire and they get, everyone's getting told what to do and we get brought in and like things happen quite quickly sometimes at the beginning and it all feels great. And then the, the common areas for uh put for problems i would say are moving into final stage so like you know not just having talks with people and maybe you got like three or four people but it's, it's probably where decisions need to get made like it's where you need to cut people and you need to like back people that's probably where there's the biggest cause of frustration and delay is like okay at what point here are you going to make the 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 necessary actions Hmm. and sounds to make a hire happen so there's like going yeah beyond the you have initial interviews we call them initials mids finals and once you get to mid stage you know they can all be done in one day or they can spread out over a couple of weeks and then you're like okay what's the final stage looking like when is that who's who's going to be part of that so there's that piece which i think is really frustrating for everybody just not having Um, a a clear final process defined yeah, well, not even that. Like, maybe the process is defined, but they, people are just not prepared to put themselves out on the limb to be like, okay, those two people are got a it, no, so it. we're going to lose them. These two people are a yes. We want one of these two. Because that's where fear creeps in, which a lot of decision-making, especially in the world of work and people kind of covering their own backs for career career risk. And um, that was only explained to me, uh, talking about pre-Outscout, but like that was explained to me when I was um working in the hedge fund industry and i couldn't understand why there's so much talk and very little decision making and it someone explained to me oh, it's like career risk is is huge in in finance industry but in any industry people don't want to be the one to say here's what we're doing like that's why leadership's hard because you have to make a decision and live or die by it and then with hiring it, it you often need one person to say here's who we're going with uh, there's a lot of committee, mm-hmm. right? And sort of um, 
that, and that's fine. You need to have like consensus building, but yes, even with consensus and all the kind of assessment scoring tools that you have in your ATS, like you still need someone to be like, no, this is our person or people that we want to make the decision with, in my opinion. So like you get a lot of that, oh, I don't know, like they're all good, but like maybe let's see some more. So we've mm -hmm. talked about that, but that's a nightmare scenario. Like, oh, we just think we'll, we'll keep that person on ice and we'll see more like that never works it never ever ever works so we're always like well don't put the, keep them on our, like we don't keep them warm like we'll tell them yes or no or let's look at other folks because even if we agree to keeping somebody warm it doesn't work out like if, i think 99 percent of the time those people know they're getting kept warm and you know people are not stupid and shouldn't be necessarily treated like that so that's one of the one of the big problems and then i think the other problem is just the delay of issuing even if it's a couple of days like issuing the offer too fast or too slow so we talked about that quite a lot and i think sometimes people hurry it and just expect it to be done and dusted in a day or two and then other times we're waiting a week to get a verbal offer it's like there, there's got to be an in-between there for it to be like yep you're the person we like give us a day or two or less like but here's the offer go through it are you okay with that right then you know like get it done in a more logical manner we, we yeah we see we see um the extremes at that end and again that's potentially because of stress or uh mm -hmm. stress factors around the decision and doing it fast because we want it done we want them in and we want the acceptance or doing it slower because maybe we don't really know what we can be offering or haven't got approvals or um yeah, like the work hasn't been done ahead of time to make sure that the offer gets issued correctly and um, uh, timely, but like, yeah, in a thorough, thorough, like thoughtful way, which we've talked about just dish mm -hmm. giving an offer outright to, to some detail. I think, yeah, that that's, so there's those two pro problems. Mid-stage to get to final, like that's where we see like, oh, just re-interview, 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 find new people, wait for the one, never happens uh what well, doesn't happen like you know it doesn't happen if you're not ready to know what the final kind of candidate should look like and then the, the yeah the second part is the offer issuing i think those normally at the beginning of a process it's like it's all good if someone's ready to go it, it all it all moves quite quick um yeah unless unless they just pause hiring but yeah, I'd say that those are the two real sort of tricky areas. So to, to get around that, people have to just like, I guess, have their process planned out, have the conversations internally of like, okay, when we get these signals and we're all happy with somebody, then we move to final. And when we move to final, we think about how the offer is issued. Like Leif discussed this from uh, Dialpad, right? Like go into interviews if you're ready to hire them, have everything mapped and planned ahead of time so you're not catching up um, in real time later on. Got it. Cool. Yeah, you, you beat me to the punch in terms of my, my next question is just how can we, how can employers kind of close this gap, what that playbook looks like? Um, so I think that's a good, good point there. Um, I had one more thing I wanted to touch on before we, we move on to our next um, agenda topic, if you will. I think you've mentioned this a couple of times. I've noticed it's just from you know, I think the last couple of weeks we've had a, a couple of examples of this happening, but just the idea of, you know, I think on both sides, right on the candidate side and the employer side, kind of like holding your cards close to your chest. And then like, if there's a big reveal at the end, um, once you know, something is, 
more done or final, but that also leads to surprises. Um, so I wanted to get your your reaction to that. I think if if a candidate's committing to go through a process, the client should commit to telling them the range at the very least of like comp and the breakdown. And so we have had examples recently where they haven't known the comp because it's like a new business unit or it's like a startup within a business and you know the leader's new um, by no like through no real fault of their own. They haven't necessarily been given the full support and parameters of what they can offer and they're doing it on the fly. So we can work with that. It's just not ideal, but it's doable if everyone listens and you know takes data points. So we, we get asked that a lot, which is why we're trying to work on some like compensation uh, indicators and provide people with like real good pricing up front of like how they should pay for a skill set or a position because that's mm-hmm. all changing a lot in the last year or two. So I think uh, we should probably just have a tear sheet, honestly, on our website that any company can hire. And it's like before you start, tick these boxes and make sure that like you have the position mapped, the process mapped, the people included and briefed, the comp, the bonus structure ironed out, stock options or equity as a range. So the pushback we get from clients is like, oh, I don't want to put my comp for the the comp for the position. Like, I don't want to list it. I don't want to show it because any candidate is going to want the top end of the range. And that isn't necessarily true because as long as the range is like palatable for people and that it's in it's like it's realistic for them then there's always flexibility like we've had candidates want less base and more stock options or higher ote you know so everyone's different the downside is way worse than the potential upside of like listing the comp so obviously that's changing now with like actual laws um this is california isn't it that's gone first and i think new york and maybe Mm -hmm. colorado are following i'm sure in five years it will be standard it'd be really rare to just not have comp i mean that's our hope anyway just makes life more straightforward for everybody but um yeah i think i think there's no like most candidates obviously want to know um because they can say yes or no immediately um you know and then i think people just like to hook people in first and then have the conversation and then like narrow it down to, and obviously towards the decision of the offer, like it gets quite specific, but it is, it is crazy how many companies just don't even like really want to talk about that until the offer stage, which we, we really try to like work around that and do it as early as possible. And then keep mm-hmm. reminding people through on both sides, here's what we've discussed. Here's what's available. Here's how this works. What does um, as early as possible mean? Is that like, literally like your your first conversation with them or when when what does that look like i think so yeah like here's the role here's what's interesting first it you get that with some screens some internal recruiters and talent acquisition teams will do a screen walk through the spec make sure everyone's understood and they'll talk about comp unfortunately it's not all the client's fault either like i will put out a huge disclaimer on all things comp in that some candidates chance their arm at any given opportunity to their detriment. So it's like, it's easy to apply for jobs on job boards and LinkedIn. It's easy to get an interview potentially. And then, but it's actually like harder to have a really honest conversation about like what you're good at. And you know, that's why interviewing is tough um, and what you, what you should be getting paid. And some people don't like to hear that they should be probably getting paid a bit less. And some people, 
some yeah some people are like really tricky around like they just won't say oh here's the number i want they're like look i'm open to whatever they offer it's like not that's never true like what was the number that you want um so yeah being in the middle of that like obviously we get we have to try to uh, educate both mm-hmm. sides and um and and i think if everyone just said here's my number here's my number plus or minus 10 percent or whatever that calibration flexibility number is then you'd very you'd you'd waste you'd save a lot of mm-hmm. wasted time in doing the dance which is kind of what it is a lot of the time i hate to say um uh, but then you know a lot of the time we get some real real straight shooters and it's nice and easy cool um that was a great segue slash um you kind of helped answer what i'm calling our our new agenda topic i want to start doing a um let's call it crowd crowdsource q a um two three questions um you know from you know those out in the the talent acquisition world get your your hot take on it um one of them actually was when and how should i discuss compensation with candidates so um i think we covered that pretty pretty thoroughly one of the other questions here was and this actually kind of aligns with our conversation this week as well. It kind of stems from the misalignment in hiring in general, but how, how can I get better alignment with the hiring manager to make sure that talent acquisition and the hiring manager are, are better aligned at the beginning of the process? I think like anything, right? Like if you're trying to engage a stakeholder, you've got to understand their problems and their time frame and their energy levels and the the easy way to default to understanding that is assume it's very little very low and not much time like low energy for what you've got to do Mm because they're doing something else uh short on time and short on availability and so we assume that always um so it is really nice when somebody gives us quite a bit of time especially more time than we kind of planned for and so i think if you understand that but you don't let people off the hook either uh you can just run very short sharp like a short sharp briefing which is not a verbose one hour but it's like say it's 10 say it's 15 minutes per position to run through key points and process and then um yeah if it's early on in a process you probably want a a 15 minute check-in weekly it could move to like bi-weekly and we talked a bit about this before but like making sure you can get hold of them they're not going to want to take calls all the time obviously but like slack text or whatever that may be some whatever messaging just to ensure that like if, if if they know if they know that you understand what they're about and what they want early and that you're not wasting too much time you'll probably get more time later back. If if it's every, if, if everything's very front-loaded and heavy on paperwork and admin and chat, you'll probably lose them early. Whereas if it's like, let, let's just do short, sharp, upfront, quick follow-ups, like very, very tactile process and take the heavy lifting away from them. So like you don't need to like ask them about their diary all the time, just get access or get the Calendly link or... Just say to them, look, when's the best time for you to interview? When's the best time for you to debrief? I think that's probably the way forward if you've got particularly demanding and short on time execs that you're dealing with or hiring What managers. is your response to just send me candidates? I want to, then I'll kind of figure it out. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if they're your hiring manager internally 
and then you're the TA person for them and they just want, they're like, just send me candidates. You kind of have to do that, I guess, but you probably want to try and readdress if you get the first, say you get it right and you get a good like three, four, five initial profiles sent through to them and they're interested and they're giving you more response and they're responsive, like then that's fine. You can then tweak the process and influence it as you go because uh, you might not always get your own way. Um, if we get that, it seldom really works out. If they're not, if they're not bought in and interested up front and we're uh, like a specialist third party to help like and they're just like just send me interviews but they won't give us any time or information or data or um commitment to kind of ongoing communications Mm -hmm. we're probably at the point now we haven't always been because we've been a very small new business but like we're at the point now where we can just say okay thank you that won't work like and it feels hard walking away from a client but then frees up your time to go and get better ones so um i think for anybody that's you know if you're internal talent acquisition specialist and you've got hiring managers and multiple hiring managers and the ones that are giving you the time and the availability and the communications and the feedback loops and the ones that are listening to you like you go all in on and then the ones that don't then just do as they ask if they want to see resumes see resumes the problem will be there if you could give give them really good candidates and if you don't get the feedbacks and you that you're after you'll get bad candidate experience so yeah i think i think like just do what you can like try very hard to influence at the beginning and set the structure and and tell them like what like you've got to sell it mm-hmm. right like this will save so much time and i want to do all the heavy lifting for you but i just need you to be there to say yes or no to stuff or to to give the feedback loop and if you're a third party and you're not you're not getting it you're not getting the commitment up front they're either not bought into you or they're not bought into the process or they're just not really ready yet so just walk away yeah that's a good overview i think just to kind of summarize um help kind of sell the process be cognizant of you know time if that seems to be a motivator in terms of where it might be low on their end and then if they are looking for you know just send me candidates um use that as kind of a calibration and and get feedback if you can uh, and set up short sharp communications to keep that process going yeah and i think um just you gotta not you can't underestimate like the energy you bring to the table it should will be infectious if you're good and you're explaining why hey here's how i want to do it and it's laid out we talk about this quite a bit now don't we like people are fatigued on just being spoken to with zoom and phone calls so if you can sit down or screen share and say hey look this is what like i've got you've so far from your position and you know here's a little timeline and here's when we can sit down and like if you take that to your hiring manager internally like they're like they're going to have to be a real nightmare if they don't benefit if they don't buy into that and they don't appreciate that you've gone above and beyond and actually laid out like a mini project plan for them i think that's where a lot of people kind of glaze over with the hire it seems like such a steep mountain to climb sometimes making a hire or two and it's stressful uh, we've 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 seen that recently with a couple of clients where they're under pressure and you know the the market is obviously pretty tricky at the moment um so we we're doing as much as we can to make their life easier in partly obviously because we want the results but also because we want repeat business and um yeah, we want some predictability. So everybody wants predictability around hiring, uh, which we're working on. 
Um, so I think the, if we say that to the client, like, hey, this is this will make it far more predictable for you, and it will mean we don't have to restart things uh, four or five weeks in, you know, with lost candidates and um, things like that. I think just like mitigating risk, selling upside, making people feel energized about like what you can do for them. Like that's that's what selling is all about, isn't it? Really, and like bringing confidence and in, inspiring action somehow um that's the job that's what influencing is so i think yeah that's 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 something i would sort of say to people is just take all the pain away give them the upside uh if they commit and, and then it's kind cool. of up to them last question for our q a today um and this kind of touches on i guess the the market right now and and, and just where you know ta i think kind of falls into organizations within total but you know we obviously talk a lot about how um, recruiting and, and ta is very critical to organization's success on, you know, bringing in the right people. Um, the question here, and I want to tweak it a little bit, but the, the first part of this is why do you think they're often the first to be laid off within the organizations? Um, and then two, I think more of an action oriented question might be how might I, as a recruiter or talent acquisition professional, uh, future proof against this or, or my role within either external or internal company? The volume of internal talent acquisition team, the size of them, and the, the inflated compensation, especially in the last two years where companies have got so desperate to hire and they just throw money at the problem. Uh, if, if that's happening in a, in a real bull market like we've seen, it's a matter of time until, I'm really sorry to say it, but it's literally a matter of time until you get laid off uh, in a downturn. Unless you're like, you know, absolutely in a bulletproof company um, or you're a leader, like head of, if you're a mid-level talent acquisition, uh, internal talent acquisition member of staff, and if you know you're probably getting paid a bit too much, which is the case, um, then you, you are getting paid too much. And then some CFO will come in in a downturn and say, well, we're not hiring for the next six to 12 months. And we have, I mean, we just found out recently here in Austin that in Texas, I think it's not like commonly been posted about as much as other companies but i think that google laid off 100 talent acquisition team members in the last three months just here in in austin texas um and like some of them have been applying applying to work here for us and uh, like i'm astonished at the compensation structures it's like non-sustainable um i'll give you i'll i'll, I'll wait obviously say the name but like we interviewed one person they had been at startup for five years in various roles like ops and people and talent and but but largely just ops and not really and had done like a year of recruiting and then the the they're on they'd left that firm on ninety thousand. their friend had got them a job at google as a technical sourcer on one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars, and they were there for three months and then they got laid off and now they're out of job and like there's just an absolute like it's insanity that somebody with one to two years of just pure talent experience would get paid that much money and the funny thing is this didn't even really place anybody because there was these like laws about um if someone's in their talent crm and they've been contacted within the last year you can't touch them so you have to they're, they're paying these people just to go and try and find ones and twos of engineers that they've, they've never mm. spoken to or like haven't got in their crm so I think that the main thing is like if, if you think you're on too too good a deal, you probably are. Um, and the the way to, I mean, it's very tricky, right? Because if you think if someone's paying me, oh, I must be worth this. 
that isn't always the case with talent acquisition because there's these cycles of hiring and when the and when there's this desperation like there was in 2020 21 um that's when the silliness takes over and then now there's a reality check for a lot of people i think um you know it's obviously harder in search or agency or if you're a third party because you're typically on a lower compensation fixed but you get a higher variable but that means you have to be very very good whereas like internally typically you get a leveled up base uh but the, the salaries have inflated far too much in the last couple of years and um like that that maybe sounds a little miserable for me but like it, it's also just pragmatic right because now you're seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of recruiters on the market and they won't get a job on the same compensation that they were on a year ago um, because companies have kind of like understood that throwing people at the problem doesn't solve the problem for hiring it's more about tools and processes and brand and doing more with your data um, you know just in get hiring more full full-time people to try and fix it just creates a different problem um, for their business which is obviously like spend and overhead um so yeah sorry that so the first part i'd say is like just try to understand the economics of what you're doing for a living and how that works like do you make that much money for the company or do you save that much money for the company and therefore is your comp justified and how many are that how many are you one of a few or are you one of hundreds and thousands of people um it's a pretty tricky one though i, I understand because mm -hmm. people are going to take a job they need a job and if and they want more money rather than less money so the incentives don't necessarily align on the surface level um but yeah i think if you are going into to talent acquisition team do more than just your standard like sourcing like offer value elsewhere like go in and help build a better process or look at tools and yeah don't just go in and do your day job on a crazy base salary because you'll probably be at risk if the shit hits the fan there's one other thing too that i, I wanted to bring up in here yeah. that I thought it was interesting. There was an article I think I shared with you it was a little while back, but just in terms of, I guess, the evaluation of companies before you go into the company, um, you can gain, a, the article was, the premise was you can gain a lot of information by their plans to hire. So asking about that and what their future kind of plans look like, but also, um, you know, layoffs are one thing, but hiring freezes are completely different and also impact the future unemployment market probably more so is kind of the argument it was making um just because you know if your company was planning to hire let's say 200 people a month and they have a freeze for the next year that's you know x number of people that aren't going to get a job in the next 12 months right so that was a whole kind of argument it made um so i think that just having insight in the hiring plan um and asking about that during the interview process if you are going in and looking at a company i think would be kind of an interesting way and approach to try and get some more information um, I just thought it was a really interesting article. I wanted to share that. I'll see if I can find it again. Yeah, you should. You should probably. Yeah, it should probably. I mean, the, the problem is these are, uh, without any disrespect, like these are. You know, we're 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 talking about expecting people to ask questions. Like it's almost due diligence around if you're investing in a company just to go and work there and be an in-house recruiter, but. The, the world of in-house recruiting is littered with people with one to two year spells um, because of that very reason. Like, if you think about the timing of it, it's like, okay, when do we need to bring in an internal recruitment team or grow it? Well, we're struggling to hit our hiring numbers. Um, 
we we're losing candidates to other companies and you know the bigger the team get shows that like you're probably at the later point of like that mm. cycle so um you know, to start with it's like the founders and the team hiring and then it's a smaller team a bigger team but like more critical mass so it's easier to hire because you're like 10 20 30 people maybe you get some funding seed series a it's already exciting there's dry powder in the business really easy to hire uh you know still in the exciting phase once you're past that like the series b c phase you're then in like expected pre-ipo territory and but the equities diminished that's available in the stock option pool um you may or may not have good product market fit, but the business and the investors are still pushing for growth, which shouldn't just mean headcount, but it often does. And then you have, okay, then we get a people ops or a talent leader. They build their team out. That's actually when you're at the most vulnerable to uh, being laid off because um, you know you, you've got more things that can go wrong. Um, don't get funding, revenue drops, a couple of critical people leave business deteriorates a little bit and that that's what we've seen in the last year is a lot of these mid to late stage private pre-ipo type businesses uh and they haven't hit the numbers and they can't raise any more money unless they dilute heavily and then it's just an absolute disaster and then all the talent uh recruiting teams get cut as well as more general at general administration and kind of ops so um yeah timing is key and then as is like understanding the economics of what you do um and then say so if you do understand the economics of what you do you've got to like prove and magnify your roi even more beyond just like turning up and making a few hires it's like you know actually make yourself um uh indisposable to the business somehow which is not easy to do but it is doable got it we uh covered quite a few different topics today um i think we're at a good point to kind of wrap up um I thought this agenda was pretty good in terms of covering a, a breadth of topics. So i um, curious to get your feedback um, on this and we'll see how, how others respond as well. Um, so let's wrap up. Um, what I wanted to leave with is, you know, we obviously touched on a lot. If our listeners could take one thing away today from what every, everything we've discussed, um, what would that be? Mm, I'd say like just given the last part of the conversation and the fact we're talking about like how you internal recruiters become more valuable um i'll tie it back to the earlier part of the conversation as well which is um you know if you're wanting to run a really slick process and you say you are the talent acquisition team member you're the talent acquisition manager or head of or you're one of the ta team um i'd say like just make it very easy for your stakeholders like do the heavy lifting for them mitigate risk sell that to them like why you've done all this stuff hey this is what i've done lay it out in a four or five slide deck with timings and potential outcomes and say and this is all i need from you is this like that's like a very uh solid way of selling a uh, an outlined process or a vision to them is like look i'm going to do all this i've done all this already I, i'm going to do all this stuff over the next four to six weeks for you i just need this from you i need you on slack i need you on text I need 15 minutes from you um, every Wednesday afternoon and I need three interview slots a week or four interview slots a week. Like if, if you can sort of say, look, I don't need anything more from you and then I'll do the rest, then you, I think you get 
a serious like order of magnitude to your results and i think that's if i had somebody doing that for me i'd be like absolutely delighted if you can get into that mindset of this is how you do it this is how i roll it out this is my playbook for you as a hiring manager and i just need these like three things from you so it's like yeah interview slots 15 minutes to debrief and run through things slack access or text like we're good um i think that doesn't happen very often i don't think i don't see it very often from clients and stuff so i think if if people could institute those best practices there'd be um be far better processes and and, and hiring experiences out there for everybody cool. Awesome. Well, let's wrap up on that. Gareth, thank you as always for your time. And until next week. That was cool. Yeah. Enjoyed that. Yeah. Thank you.